Um, you know, honestly, there were there were always glimpses, there were always moments, but I'll tell you when I had no choice, and that was when my son was diagnosed with autism. Hello. Welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer. Thank you for being here. Today's guest is Tracy Goodwin of Captivate the Room, CaptivateTheRoom.com. So this was a lot of fun. Um, she uh, kind of fell into a, uh, one of those YouTuber nicknames, and she inadvertently became the Red Sweater Lady, and we talk about how that happened and the good sides and bad sides about having a YouTube nickname and dragging a red sweater around. So she teaches people how to captivate the room live on camera, acting, behind the mic. Um, she's a specialist in voice technique, and she teaches um, massive confidence, uh, basically by, you know, dealing with um, the technical side, but then, you know, uh, building up the confidence as you go. You can't just teach confidence. So uh, she's had a lot of fun and, uh, well, and, and a lot of uh, challenges, just like everybody else in her vermi very life. Um, we talk a little bit about some of her struggles and how she had to find her voice and, uh, and that was a really fun conversation and stuff I didn't know. It's not on our webpage. So listen up. This is a, this is a good one. We laugh a lot. And uh, oh, by the way, just uh, before you, uh, you complain, uh, Tracy was in like some sort of outdoor setting and there's lots of bird sounds that I really love. So if you don't love those, I'm sorry in advance. Anyway, here is my chat with Tracy Goodwin of CaptivateTheRoom.com. Enjoy. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Hello, Tracy Goodwin. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Hey, I am so glad to be here. I am really thrilled and honored that you asked me to do the show. I'm super excited about this. Yeah, I had fun listening to you talk to my friend uh, Jared Easley the other day. And uh, you guys were having fun teasing his buddy Kamanzi about uh, being a Taylor Swift fan, which uh, you know, they do on every show, I think. <laughs> right. Those guys are a hoot. Those they're, guys are a hoot. They're, they're hilarious. That's a great show. And Jared's yeah. such a great guy. Oh my gosh, what a great guy. Yeah. You know, he was recommended to me and I thought, yeah, right, this guy doesn't know me from Adam. I mean, just boom, just stepped in and just, just really, sweetie. yeah, it's just a good guy. Yeah, good people. He was on my show. We uh, we learned so much about each other. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> we I had a lot in, that. we had a lot in common and uh, and we, yeah. neither one of us knew. Right. It was cool. Yeah. 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 He's a good guy. I like him. I like him both a lot. Yep, I don't know Kamanzi that much. I, well, I've never met him other than listening to the show. But yeah, he seems like a really nice guy too. Yeah, he's a hoot. All right, well, let's get into this thing. Let's do it. So talk a little bit about what you first thought of when you saw Vroom Vroom Veer. What, what, what popped into your brain? Hurry up. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Hurry and up. I thought, 
I thought, this is my kind of show because I feel like I'm always in a hurry. Yes, yes. Well, actually, you know, part of the hidden message is, yes, we're all vrooming, but wouldn't it be cool if we could just slow down? Oh, my gosh. If you've got that in a bottle to sell, I don't care what the cost is. I will PayPal you right now. <laughs> wow. Slow down in a bottle. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, we should talk about that. Maybe we could create that. We yes. could become millionaires. We could be billionaires. Slow down in yes. a bottle. <laughs> yes. Because I tell you what, man, oh, man, that's something everybody needs to do. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So, okay, so let's get into this uh, red sweater lady story because that's mm. fascinating to me. How did you, there must be a veer or at least a, a fun story about how you became known as the red sweater lady. Well, you know, I get asked that question a lot and I, I sometimes think I should really, you know, um, create some amazingly fantastic delightful story about that because I think that's sometimes what people expect but really it's it's the craziest story ever I was um, hired by a production company in Austin Texas to come and do well it ended up being about 60 or 80 I think it was about 80 videos as a speaking expert on presentation skills and voice technique and when I got in there they discovered that you know I really knew a lot of different things so I think it turned into like 80 videos I wow. did not know at the time that I was shooting these things for eHow. I had no idea. I just knew I was getting a paycheck at what I did. Okay. And that was great. You know, that was good for me. Right. And I got there and we, you know, I was ready to go. I had my first video prepped. I knew exactly what we were doing and I, I introduced myself and the director goes, cut. And I'm like, what, 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 what did I do? And he said, well, we have to call you something. And I said, well, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, you have to have a name. And I said, well, I have Tracy, a name. <laughs> Tr Tracy Goodwin, Goodwin is Tracy, right, what they, right. what, you know, that's the, no, no, you got to have a name. And I said, I don't know what you should call me. Well, I had that red sweater on. And he said, well, well, how about the red sweater lady? <laughs> and I liked it. And, and it stuck. And so for every one of those videos, I'm wearing that red sweater. And, and I never thought about it again. I tell you what, I never thought about it again until those videos hit eHow and all of a sudden people are seeking me out trying to find the red sweater lady from all over the world. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so I guess that's my brand. Yeah, right, right. Well, that could have been worse. <laughs> I know, I know, I, I know. But, you know, foresight, you know, or hindsight or whatever it is, if I'd only known, right. I might have come up with something, you know, a little snappier. But I kind of like it. Well, you know, a lot of people love it. A lot of people are like, you got to change that. But a lot of people love it. And I've actually tried to get away from it for a couple of, you know, a couple of times, but that's how people around the world know me. Right. And so even if I veer away from it, like I'm doing right now with Captivate the Room, I'm doing this whole new setup. Sure. People, I am still getting more hits on Red Sweater Lady. Of course. Because, you know, that's just how it's got know. traction now. Yeah. Right. Well, that was, I think that was about seven years ago, maybe eight when I did that. So, you know, that's been around. Those videos have been around a long, long time. So I guess I'm the red sweater lady. And literally, <laughs> now people will hire me to come and speak or do a class or whatever. And they every time they say, 
are you going to wear the red sweater? Wow. I still have the same red sweater, and I still wear it every time I teach and every time I speak and in almost all of my videos that I still make today. Yeah. You know, I think I looked at your website. You you got a red sweater on. Yep. Always have red on. Always. Now, let me and, ask, know, is, it, is it always the same uh, red sweater, or does it just have to be red? Well, I still have that same red sweater. You have the and same one. On, okay. Oh, yes. Two of the buttons are broken. Um, it's starting to get a little... I ran into a, a tree limb, and it has a little snag in it, but... It's you a know, little frayed around the part, edges. It's, it is. It's, it's just like me. <laughs> a little frayed <laughs> around the edges. <laughs> but, um, yeah, if I... You know, most of the gigs, I'll wear the red sweater, you know, for... for in fact, for a while, even on my one-on-one sessions, I would wear the red sweater. But um, I always wear red, but I'll, most of the time I wear the red sweater. Okay. It's kind of funny. It is fun. Well, it's a fun story. I, I still think it's a fun story. And, and, and yeah. it's, you know, I, I've heard this, and you know, um, from YouTubers, right? Is like... Mm-hmm. They they have to go in there and have that catch, you know something uh, yeah. something about the internet. They don't you can't just go in there and be Jeff Smith or something or, or no, Tracy Goodwin. No. no, you have to have some sort of goofy name, especially in video, yeah. right? Something, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, searchable and uh, a little silly, I guess. Well, well, it worked for PewDiePie. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're a billionaire and I'm not. Right. Right. <laughs> the world we live in now, right? Oh, my gosh. Who, who could have ever imagined? Okay. Not this girl. So now you have been doing public speaking since the age of 12. So yep. there's got to be a story there. How did that happen? Well, oh, gosh. Where to even begin? You know... I was, my, my family constantly told me I was a difficult child, and I think they probably were right. But, you know, and I don't say that anymore because, I, of course, I was smart. I was smart, different. But I wasn't good at academics. Forget about sports. Okay. And I could have easily, at the age of 12, gone down a not good path. And I f- found theater and speech, and it saved me. It, that's why I think that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about it. I did a play first, and of course, I absolutely loved it. And and then I went on and started doing speaking. But I, I was good at it. I was right. You weren't it afraid, gave me right? The feedback. No, never. Um, I, I, in fact, it's just rush for me. You know, I, I because to to just to be able to know you're affecting other people at the age of 12 was profound for me and so I did speech competitions in school but when I was I think well that started when I was 12 but I think by the time I was 14 I actually won my very first speaking award I did the Southern Baptist Convention from Texas originally they have a youth speakers tournament and I won it went went all the way to state and then I did that several years in a row um, because it was just you know I think everybody has something that they're really good at and I think some people find it when they're 12 and I think some people find it when they're 48 and I don't think it matters when you find it because you're going to find it and it's in there 
Yeah. And I just, I was, was really lucky. It was my thing. I was good at it. I excelled at it and went on. I mean, I've been doing that kind of work in a lot of different forms my whole career. And I'm going to be 50 in a few weeks. So that's, you know, what's Congratulations. that? See, I don't do math, but yep. that's like 38 years, you know. <laughs> that's I amazing. Math, yeah. You know, right? In public. <laughs> Watch out. Oh my gosh. See, they're going to start, you know, Harvard's going to call me next week. They're going to be like, we've got an opening in the physics department. I'm going to be like, all right, I'm on my way. So now on your, yeah, 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 no, <laughs> yeah, no. the, uh, uh, the thing about that, that made me uh, go, Hmm, on your website was, um, you said something about on your about page, how, even though you started doing the, the public speaking and, you know, using your gift at such a young age, there was something keeping you back from sharing your voice. Mm-hmm. You weren't allowed to share your voice, I think is what you said? No, I okay. wasn't. And really, that's um, that's really the most profound piece of the whole story, of the yeah. whole journey. And I've really come full circle to it. And it's so exciting. Mean this in a negative way on any level because I was raised by very loving parents, gave me everything I could have ever imagined. But we were raised, and you know, I had a, a pretty controlling mother, and we were not allowed to express what we felt. We right. weren't allowed to get mad. We weren't allowed to dislike anything. We were raised that you look nice and you sit pretty and you dress for dinner and then, you know, children, it was the the concept of children are to be seen and not to be heard. Right, right. And so I had this voice that desperately wanted to, I had a soul that wanted to express itself and was not allowed. And so I went a lot of different directions in the same field trying to get my voice out. But that was my greatest fear, was getting my voice out. And that's what people, where, where I got the most accolades, was getting my voice out. So it was really, it's, it's been a very conflicting life. I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, was there a moment that, that you can remember when you first were able to get over that? Like, when, you know, say in your adult life and now your parents don't have as much direct control over you, but I'm sure their programming is still holding you back from the inside. But when, uh, what age or what time frame in your life did you really start being able to express your voice to the world? Yesterday at about four o'clock. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm totally messing with you. <laughs> Which is great because you just wrote that web page on the about. I wasn't able to allow. Now I am. <laughs> I know, right? I know, yeah, yeah. I know. Um, you know, honestly, there were there were always glimpses, there were always moments, but I'll tell you when I had no choice, and that was when my son was diagnosed with autism. Wow, my goodness. And at what he, age? He at the age of two, he was diagnosed with autism. I always knew something was wrong. Um, his father left when he was five months old and it was very challenging because there was something wrong. It never entered my mind that it was autism, but he didn't speak. And it, it, it was so hard. And then when he got that diagnosis, I had to fight like I've never had to fight before for him. Sure. 
And when it was about me, you know, there was, it was easy to find an excuse to just be quiet or, oh, I'll let that go or, right, right. you know, grumble in my head. But when it, it came Bite your back, lip a little. and Absolutely. Be, right. um, be politically correct, if you will. Mm-hmm. But when it came to fighting for him, I had to muster up everything. The claws came out. Oh, yeah. 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 I, you know, and so I think over, the, and I've recovered my son from autism, by the way. Wow. Uh, which is, you know, just unheard of. But it was over those years, those very difficult, you know, very difficult single mother living in New York, trying to make ends meet and recover a child from autism. Wow. And I had to find my voice. You know, I think that was phase one of finding my voice. Okay. But there were, but there have been even more phases. Since but that's then. sort of that was sort of like the 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 opening. That was Absolutely. where you you found out you actually did have claws. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Because you know, well, the funny thing is, and I and I'm I'm you know, you're really you really hearing all my dysfunction. So I'm so pleased to be here. But um, <laughs> sorry, the, it's, it's, no problem. <laughs> no, it's all part of the story. It is. And it is. It's I good. Change, I it's wouldn't good. change any of it. Right. But I was a runner. You know, I would just run to the next thing. It was easier for me. You were rooming, of, yes. Oh, yes. We talk about that quite a bit. (laughs) Listen, I'd rather move to a different state and change my hair color than have a confrontation when I was 24. Sure. I was was that guy. I know what you mean. I mean, no way. No way is that going to happen. You're right. I have to be quiet. I'll just have to move. Right. Right. And start over. Yeah. But then when the game changes, when you can't just do that anymore, you know, you got to do something. And I had a child that needed services, and and I had admit that I had made a commitment to, hey, you didn't sign up for this, and I'm going to fix it. Right, right. So, you know, that was definitely the opening of the whole deal. But up until that point, I had really let far too many people direct my steps, and it was because I did not have the courage to say what I needed to say. Because partly because I didn't have the courage, but partly because I didn't know how. Yeah. I'd never learned. Right, right. Yeah. Because I'd never been allowed. Right. How can a kid learn how to do something if they're never taught or never allowed to learn how? So talk a little bit about how how does that recovery go? Because that's fascinating to me. I mean, I've never heard of someone call it recover an autistic child. They they still have autism, but you've got them to uh, their highest function. Well, mine diagnosis was removed. Oh, whoa. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, and it's funny because I don't, I don't, I don't talk about it a whole lot, not because mm-hmm. I have any problem with it, but because this is what generally what happens. I'll give you an example. My next door neighbor is a nurse and she and I were talking about it one day and I threw it out there. Oh, I recovered. Myself. No, you didn't. There's no way that could happen. I, I'm a nurse. I know things. Right. You see, you, you run into that and, I'm not, I'm not, I'm tired. I'm not going to fight you over what I lived. And so he was quite, he was quite severe, not the severest, but he didn't speak. He ran away. He banged his head. He would only eat beige foods of a, a, you know, a certain texture. You know, everything had to be structured. Everything had to be regimented. It was, he didn't sleep. He would fall asleep at three and get up at, I mean, it was just intense. And... When my husband left, he gave me the greatest gift of all by leaving because that gave me the ability to do what I needed to do for my son. 
Right. So every program, every service, every everything that was the best and I thought could serve him, I got him in it. And when it wasn't working anymore, I found something else. And we just kind of kept moving up just the ladder. Just kept going. Just kept going. Just kept going. And I kept putting him in the right places, the right time, with the right services, with the right people. And the last school that he was in for four years really... I really attribute so much to them because at the end of those four years is when the Department of Education said, we're going to remove this. He's not autistic anymore. Wow. I, now, you know, can he, can, does, he, does he function exactly like a typical kid? No. Okay. But is he above grade level? Yes. Does he need a smaller environment? He does better with it. Does he still require intensive services in occupational therapy and physical therapy and speech therapy? No. Wow. Not at all. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's really a Cinderella story. I mean, I really, I'm so blessed. That's amazing. Uh, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. It's, yeah. It's, it's um, you know, and, and you talk about how your show is getting off the path. That, that wasn't in the plan at 24. No, no. No, wasn't even on the radar. That's a that 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 would be the uh, the quintessential unintentional veer that you just have you to deal believe with. It. Right, right. You, you and you know that you weren't asking oh, for that. No, uh, uh. no. Uh, uh, and it was really interesting. You know, when it I was I was not happy. I'll be honest with you. When I got that diagnosis, I was like, how sure. much more? How much more are we going to get rooked here? And I was standing in the, the occupational therapist office one day feeling sorry for myself and how, you know, all my friends had typical kids and what a rook. And, you know, it's very, very early on in diagnosis. And I looked up on the wall and there was a poem that's called Welcome to Holland. And it talks about how you get on the plane, you're pregnant, and you get on the plane and you're flying to Italy because all your friends are going to Italy. And you, in the plane lands and the stewardess says, Welcome to Holland. And you say, Wait a minute. I'm supposed to be in Italy, and I'm not supposed to be in Holland. All my friends are in Italy. And she says, well, you're in Holland, and this is where you're going to stay. So you can find the beauty in Holland or not. And from that moment on, the lion inside of me came out, and that's how we got this done. Wow. Because it was... I, it, that's right. That's what. That this is my plan. This. I mean, this is part of my plan. This is part of my purpose. This. Um, it's not about how I feel about it. This. This is. I'm in Holland, and I'm going to find the beauty in it. And it dramatically changed my approach, which I think was beneficial for me to change his approach. Yeah, and and I get that, and it's. Uh you know, good for you that you come to the place where you can honestly admit that you were pissed yeah. off basically at, you know, life, the universe and everything. Mm-hmm. And and who wouldn't be? It's an right. authentic emotion. I think all emotions, you know, even the ones that, you know, you don't want to share because you think, well, you know, like people that lose a loved one, especially say like yeah. a, a spouse or, you know, a significant mm-hmm. other. They go through this period in grief where they're pissed at the dead person. And yeah. it's almost yeah. universal. And it's the most shameful. It's like I'm the one that's alive. I don't I don't I don't have the right to be mad. But there it is. I'm mad. <laughs> I'm angry and right. that, yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Wow. So that's it's well, and I think that's, you know, and 
And I think that's a perfect example of what we're talking about here, finding my voice. 20 years ago, I never would have ever told you I was mad about it because I would have been so worried about what you would think of me. Right, right. And that's a generational thing. The people out there that have, yeah, yeah. But everybody, it doesn't have to be autism. Like you say, it could be death of a loved one. It can be death of a pet. It could be a car wreck. I mean, it can be yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they're mad. Yeah, I had another guest, and uh, her name is Susie Miller. Um, and she is a, she's a coach now, but she was also a uh, therapist, a psychotherapist, I think. But anyway, she was in a very debilitating car accident when she was in therapy for years. <laughs> and mm-hmm. during during, you know, first off, she had to she had to acknowledge the fact that surviving and being alive was a miracle. And then she was mad. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and it took yeah, her a long yeah, time yeah, to yeah. you know, to admit that, you know, to be authentically angry um, yeah. simultaneously and, you know, really grateful to be alive and mad at the same time, you know? Right. And, th- and right. that's just the way things go. I mean, anytime you get mm-hmm. a challenge in front of you, I think you're going to go through these, it's almost like you're going to go through stages of grief. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think, I think you're going to go through stages of crap like that, you know? Yeah. If everything was smooth all the time, well... That would be boring. What? Yeah. Well, we'd never grow. We'd never learn. We'd never right. move to the next level. Right. You know, and so, so, so I, it's so ironic to me that I teach people how to use their voices when 30 years ago I was not allowed to use mine. But if I, I hadn't had the journey that I'd had, I do. I couldn't help the people that I help. Right. So there's, you know, yeah, there were there's phases of being furious at my mother, but. Gosh, look at the gift. You got to look at the gift. Yes, yes. That's. Uh, have you ever heard the term uh, uh, "buried treasure"? I mean, and in, in insofar as like the your greatest strengths are going to be hiding behind some serious amounts of pain. Yeah, yeah. I truly believe that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Right. Right. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, how you made your way because I know you worked as an actor doing TV commercials. So talk a little bit about how that was because that sounds uh, interesting. Oh, I loved it. And here's another perfect example that, that ties into not being able to use your voice. I, of course, started doing this when I was 12. And, you, you know, my, doing TV my commercials wanted- when you were 12? No, no, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. You know, doing theater, doing okay, theater right, in right, school right. And, right. and speaking. And um, my father's one and only, of course, adore my father. And he, he just passed away in February. But his one and only rule for, for all of his children was you're going to go to college. Which, you know, I was furious about that anyway because I needed to go be a movie star. But whatever. I love you, Daddy. I'll go to college. And so I went to college. And right out of, as soon as I graduated, my undergraduate degree is from Baylor University. And I got offered a full-paid scholarship at California State Fullerton, and my mother didn't let me go. Oh. You know, that was, again, another time for me to use my voice and say, I'm going, but yeah. I didn't. Right. And so I kind of had to regroup and started 
auditioning for television. I got an agent right away and started doing television commercials and then kind of traveled all around in, in, in a bunch of different areas, California and Florida and Texas, doing television commercials. And I did, I did television commercials and I did a whole lot of spokesperson type work. I was the spokesperson for Shell for a while and did that until I was 27. Okay. And I have uh, always had such a love-hate relationship with actors, which is really really ironic but I decided I wanted to do something else so at 27 I got a master's degree because you know getting another degree is my go-to for everything well that'll <laughs> fix that'll fix everything just go you know spend another forty thousand dollars and get another worthless degree Tracy yeah that's good I'm gonna that's do a good that idea yeah 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 it'll so, make me feel good uh, so yes it'll make me smarter so it'll put me on the right path um so I got a master's in child drama, and I directed plays all over the world. Wow. Never stopped really doing television commercials and industrial film and a lot of voiceover work, but not pursuing that as a career. When I was doing it full-time, I was doing it full-time. You know, I wasn't a, a bartender actor. I was an actor. Right. And I was able to make my living doing it. And it was really, really great. But I think it was... I don't know that it was meant to be my full career. I think that it was just a segment of it. And I right. think when it was time to stop doing it full time, it was time to stop doing it full time. I think, I think the whole path has been orchestrated. And I think that the, the, the next degree and the traveling the world, directing plays, I think that was just the next phase to get me ready for everything else that was going to come after that. Right. But it was great fun. I tr it's, doing television commercials was great fun. What was it like? I mean, is it like um, once you're in, you kind of like you have an agent and they're like calling you and you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll do that. Oh, OK. Yeah. You know, I went on a lot of auditions and I was lucky. I got cast a lot. I was really good at television commercials. I never s seemed to be able to get the film thing. And I never really wanted to because I liked commercials because with commercials, you go in for a half a day, you shoot it and you pick up a big check. And that was like, <laughs> and that you're was done. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you're done. And yeah. that's how I rolled. You know, I didn't want to go sit on set for 15 hours a day and do nothing. Make, yeah. And not make, you know, not make as much money. And, um, you know, I just loved it. I absolutely loved it. And again, just like the speaking stuff when I was 12, 13, 14, I was good at it. And I think that because I was good at it, um, it was really good for my confidence. You know, it was really confidence and self-esteem. And I think everybody wants to be good at whatever they do. They, they, they get such a thrill out of doing it if they're good at it and they know it. Right. Yeah. It's almost like you, the 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 lights kind of turn up a little bit brighter when you're doing a thing that you love doing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, this yeah. is, this is where I can shine. And right. uh, yeah, it just, it sort of energizes you. I feel that way about speaking in general. Um, and it definitely like, uh, I don't enjoy anything more than, you know, talking to people on Skype. <laughs> I know that's it's cool. It, it's a blast. Yeah, I hope someday I can make money doing it. But you I know, know what? Right? It's cheap enough to do as a hobby, and, and I love it enough, so I'll keep doing it. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I am. Uh, I did plays and stuff when I was a kid too. So oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, and uh, and I have a couple of extemporaneous speech stories too. 
That's hilarious. Oh, that's um, tough stuff. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is that's the kind of speech that I really like doing is just the unprepared off the cuff, you know, here, you know, uh, what was it? Um, you know, what, would they give you a little three by five card and yes, say, talk about I know exactly yeah, what you're talking talk about. about a number two pencil for seven minutes. Go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now see back then that would have traumatized me. I could do that now, but back then that would have definitely not been my event. Oh, okay. Definitely. All right. I had to be prepared. Now I can do that kind of thing. But um, I, I admire that. That that ability to think on your feet is such an important skill, you know, to have yeah, today. Right. In life. Oh, yeah, definitely. It, it's sort of like um, I want to someday I'm going to get around to doing an improv class because I, oh, think, yeah. I think those two things are related. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't know if I want to do improv. I just want to take the class just, yeah. you know, as a skill building uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and then, uh, let's see, I did two plays in high school. And, what did you uh, do? I did, uh, my first one was Little Abner. Uh, that was my first play. Get this. There's an awesome, oh, congratulations. Who were you? I don't rem- even remember. I know I was really hacked because I wanted to be Moonbeam McSwine and I wasn't. <laughs> Moonbeam McSwine. I don't even remember that. She was character. the one that got to carry the pig. Oh, yeah, and she got all the laughs from the crowd. Yes, that was yeah. the part I wanted, but I didn't get it. But I'm, uh, not, you know, I'm not bitter You're or not bitter or anything? No. Well, um, I th- you know, I don't even remember the name of my kid. It was some small part. Right, you know? right, right. But. So get this. I was, um, another one of my friends was trying out, and uh, I was in my junior year of high school. And I had no intention of... Uh, I didn't even want to be there. I was just waiting for him to finish his audition, right? Oh, how funny. So I'm sitting there and I'm watching all of these people get up there and sing and and do their audition. And I'm like, man, these people all stink. (laughs) (laughs) So I just decided to get up and and I belted out this church song really loud, you know, and uh, and everybody just went nuts. That's great. Yeah. And so I became a little Abner. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Isn't that crazy? It's awesome. I know, I know. Um, and then I learned this other lesson, because on the on our opening night, so you've done plays. Oh, and, yeah. And you know what it's like if you like uh, make a mistake and then, and then do the uh, unforgivable. It's okay to make a mistake. You just got to go with it, right? Right, right. I broke the rule and said, oh, yeah, we... Clap, 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 we screwed up, or something like that, you know, uh, under my breath, right? Oh, yeah. And then everybody feels really weird. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then and the director came and chewed me a new one in between scenes, and they're like, that is not acceptable. And I was like, Aww. I'm so sorry. I won't ever do it again. And then every other time I screwed up, I just went with it, you know? That oh, was that, that improv thing, right? Well, you know, yeah, it yeah, was yeah. the first scene of the first night. So I had to get better fast. We had like yeah, three more shows, right? Right. Oh, Wow, I mean, great. I did fine after that. It was just that that moment of you know, and it was like the audience didn't even know we screwed up. Yeah, I right, told them. Right. I it. told them that's we it. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Exactly. Right. The audience usually never has a clue. No, no, and they don't know. They don't have the script. They don't right. know how the song's supposed to go. And so right. the other funny story about extemporaneous speech, and I've told this one before. So you're getting the abbreviated version because the audience oh, okay. has heard it before, right? 
Okay. So I was in this business club, and um, I serendipitously, uh, well, what? I sneakily, uh, there was another guy, and he was signed up to do extemporaneous speech. His name was John Johnson. And uh, the teachers had signed him up to take this, uh, do this extemporaneous speech contest thingy for business club. Mm-hmm. And they signed me up for a math test. And neither one of us wanted to do that. I didn't want to do math. He didn't want to do extemporaneous speech. So we traded and pretended to be the other person. Oh, my gosh. And we both won. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> they, uh, we, we admitted our, our, our little charade to our teachers right before they announced us as the winners. So the teachers had to run up and say, no, 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 they didn't really win. They cheated. (laughs) Kind (gasps) of. I know. Oh, my gosh. That's a great story. (laughs) But then I was like, wow, extemporaneous speech. That was fun. (laughs) Uh, So that's when you got hooked to that. A little bit. Yeah. 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 Well, I knew I wasn't afraid and most people were. Yeah. Right. Right. That's great. That's got to be a gift. Right. Yeah, well, that's what I was just going to say. See, you know, there you go. You've got something that, you know, would traumatize half my client base. Right. You know, everybody's good at, at something, you know, at something or some things. But it, we can't all be great at everything. It just right. doesn't work that way. Right. Yes, th- there's some sort of special kind of crazy that I am. And maybe you are. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Probably that, a good chance of that. That that gives us this gift of yeah. uh, public fearlessness, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Where's that come yeah. from? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know, but thank goodness I got something going for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I liked how you talked about how most of what you're doing is, you know, is all the technical stuff. It's like, okay, you have to focus on your voice mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then you have to get good at your presentation. But really it's about building their confidence, <laughs> right? Yep, so yep. talk a little bit about uh, how you, uh, how you use that confidence building in your, in your training. Well, you know, I, I started noticing quite a long time ago that when people would come to me to improve their voice or, you know, learn to do present, they have to do a presentation and they're traumatized, I couldn't sit down with them and talk about, well, let's build up your confidence. It doesn't yeah. work that way. So the approach that I use, that, I, that I've used for years, that seems to really get great results is very much technique. It's very, and when I say technique, I say things like, okay, this is you want to and you want to roll this into your voice. You want to have shades or variables of speed or volume, and I teach them exactly how to do it, and they do it, and we celebrate it. And with each celebration, through the back door, I'm sneaking in the confidence, so that by the time I'm finished with them, they feel like a boss. Yeah. They think that, you know, it's all, that. well, they know. I act like I'm being some secretive, you know, secret society here. They know I'm building their confidence. But it's, it's through it's, You're not doing it overtly. Technique. You're not saying, okay, now right. we're going to work right. on your confidence. <laughs> no, what, no, 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 no. No, no. Because they're, I'm giving them an actual skill set that's tangible apply, execute, and receive a victory from. And it is from that victory that their confidence soars. Right. And at the end of the day, yeah, they need the technique. But more than anything, every one of them that comes to me needs confidence. Oh, yeah. And it's because, you know, I have this concept called the dings versus the victory box. And I think that we all the ding box and box get like the dings on your new car. Okay. And we, 
you know, and we keep looking over at those dings. We keep looking at them and looking at them. And we completely forget the victory box is sitting over in the right hand. And so we have to start, we have to fill up that victory box again so that the dings aren't so noticeable anymore because life dings us. Oh, yeah. At every turn. And, and, and then, you know, and then it takes our focus. And, and so as it takes our focus, those dings destroy our confidence. So by filling up that victory box again, by look at what you did. That was great. That sounded amazing. Oh, my gosh. You're not doing that, you know, crazy gesture anymore. Or, Listen to how fantastic your voice sounds. We're filling up the victory box and we celebrate each one. And then by the time I'm done with them, they don't even remember they have a ding box. <laughs> Yeah, I like to think that way. I, that's great. I love it. Yeah. You know, you can't let your dings keep you down, right? That's that's what I like. No. No. You have to wear them as a badge of honor. Well, and what we tend to do, I think, is, you know, you can have 99 compliments that you're awesome sauce, and you can have one that says, meh. Right. Where are you going to focus? Right, right. You're going to focus on that one. Yeah. And that's exactly the concept of the dings and the victory boxes. You're focusing. We're focusing on, you know, the professor who yelled at the co You know, I mean, that's where we're putting all our focus. And we're forgetting all the good stuff. Yeah. And it's the good stuff that builds our confidence. Yeah, I think not that the, the dings. That, that's a, um, there's a psychological sort of like bend in our brains. It's like a, a glitch, if you want to call it that, is like, you know, you don't believe the 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 praise you can't believe that you know um you do but you go eh, yeah okay all right you know not not by default you can you can learn to right you can right oh absolutely yeah but one little it's like you're automatically by default you're going to believe every little piece of criticism absolutely yeah right yeah that makes sense yeah so how did you get into this uh, wanting to, uh, to teach what you're doing now? How, how did that start? Well, when I was about 17, I had a voice that sounded a lot like this. <laughs> and, of course, I was working, you know, was, uh, when I was a teenager, it was fine. But by the time I got to be about 17 or 18 and was seriously considering being professor said, we got to fix your voice. And put me in some voice training that literally changed my voice literally changed my life. And so it's always been a piece of my work. I've always done voice training along with presentation skills training or theater coaching or whatever I've done. It's always been a huge piece for me. But I would say probably about 10 years ago, I started getting hired specifically to train actors how to use their voice. What I've discovered over the last three or four years really my gift. And I know it's my gift because I feel like nothing more than a vessel. The words that come out of me that, that is aligned with my purpose. And I'm able to change people's lives dramatically in a short amount of time with the skill set is training. And, you know, I never sat down at 21 and said, I'm definitely going to be a voice specialist. That's definitely <laughs> what I'm going to do. But you, you, know, you found it, yourself in Holland. <laughs> Yes. 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 I mean, I was the girl that couldn't speak. I was the girl that couldn't stand up for herself. I was the girl that couldn't use her voice. And, and now I coach actors all over the world to get to the next level with their voice. I have the missing link. I coach speakers how to captivate with their stories through 
use of their voice. I teach women and men who are terrified of telling their boss or their boyfriend or their coworkers what they need to say, how to use their voice. It's the most powerful piece we have. That's amazing. And I, and I know that now. Right. But I never would have known that if well, you had to go I'd been allowed it. to use it. 30, yeah, if I'd been able to use my voice 30 years ago, I mean, I don't know what I'd be doing. <laughs> I'd be running a hedge fund or something, you know? I don't know. Who knows? You wouldn't be Who in Holland. No. You probably would be in Italy. <laughs> yep. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. So when you were doing uh, doing your thing, did you find that uh, that you enjoyed the authentic sort of uh, the teaching more than the acting? I love, I loved acting, and I think that's why I left it because I didn't love it anymore, and it didn't take me long after I started teaching to know that that was that was one of my gifts was right. being a teacher. Right. Right. And now. There's no money in the world you could pay me to go back to doing anything, really, other than teaching. Because to be able to sit in front of a human being and in an hour's time slot start changing their lives. That's pretty is, amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's, a greater, it's a greater high than winning a speech award ever even was. Right. Oh. You know, and... To, I- to be, okay serving my purpose, you know? Right, right. Yeah, you found your purpose and you're living it. So that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. the thing is, is uh, I've, um, I know you did voice acting too. So I have another question. I did. Yeah. And this, yeah. this is, this relates to, um, do you know who Chris Hardwick is? It doesn't matter if you do or you don't. Um, the name sounds a little familiar. He, he's, a, he's around. Um, he does like a lot of after show hosting. Um, and he, he does a, mm-hmm. a podcast called The Nerdist Podcast. He's a bit of a geek. Oh, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And he looks really good for a guy in his 40s. Let me tell you. I wish yeah. I, yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, he was, uh, he's a recovering alcoholic and he's, you know, been recovered for a while, right? And um, he does stand up and he does way too, he works too much. Um, I, I want to tell him, Chris, slow down. <laughs> but I want to I tell everybody to do that. I don't know him personally, yeah. but as I'm listening to him, I'm like, slow down. But anyway, he will tell his guests that, um, that he never really liked uh, acting so much because mm. he didn't feel authentic up there being pretending yeah. to be someone else. Um, yeah. And, and he always liked stand up more because then you're not, you're being yourself, but a persona of yourself. Sort right. of. That's kind of like yeah. stand up is kind of like a, a heightened fake version of you which he can right. do. Right. Um, right. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like what Howard Stern does on his radio show. I'm sure he's not like that, you know, when he's hanging around with his, his right. family and friends. That's his his on-air persona. It's still him. It's just right. it's different than acting. So um, and then but at the same time, Chris loves to do voice acting. So mm-hmm. I'm now I'm wondering Okay, if he doesn't like acting, but he's okay with voice acting, what what's the what's the distinction? Because I'm thinking about doing voice acting and or voice over, you know, anything related to voice work. I think mm-hmm. I'm interested in. Um, mm-hmm. So, what's the is there a distinction there for you between those two? Yeah, that's a really hard question. It is, I know. Um, You know, and I've been thinking about it for a long time, and I don't know the answer. So if you don't know, that's okay. Well, I 
I know what I would say, but it's in direct conflict with what he would say. Okay. Because to me, as a as a technique teacher, the voice technique, and this is a technique perspective, te- the voice technique I lay in gets us to that authentic voice where voiceover skills are more of a specific skill set. Okay. But you're not playing a... I think I know where he's coming from on that. You're not playing a character. You're using your voice. You're just using your voice with a specific skill set. Yeah. I think is where he's coming from on that. From a technique perspective, like like in my, per, in, in my perception, that is a little more altered, but it's altered because of the skill set. Does that make sense? It does. And I get you. I'll, <laughs> For sure. Well, Tracy, this has been a blast. I mean, uh, have we come yes, full circle? Yes, I, I can't we, believe it's over. Do we do we have more veers left in Tracy that we didn't hit that you wanna that you want that need to get out? Well, uh, wait, wait a minute, we didn't say your URL. So, oh. Tracy's at captivatetheroom.com. Is there anything else we need to mention? No, that's my new br- that's my new brand. That's you know, the redsweaterlady.com is always going to be there. That's there too. But um, Captivate the Room is is really where I'm going because that's what I feel like if you really know how to use your voice and of course presentation skills as well, you really can captivate the room and in the world we live in today, you know, our brain tells us every 90 seconds to check out. So, if you're going to talk to people, you got to be able to captivate them. You got to be able to engage them. You've got to be able to reach in and touched their soul. And that's captivating the room. So that's that's kind of the direction I'm trying to move into, but I'll still keep dragging that red sweater around everywhere I go. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> I love that red sweater. Yeah, the red sweater uh, uh, opened up a lot of doors for you, even though... It, it, it really, yeah, yeah, it's really bizarre. And there have been so many twists and turns from from autism to not being able to speak to being as you know a sought after speaking coach to you know it's just I just sit back and I smile yeah because I couldn't have planned it better let me ask you this did you ever get into meditation only recently well you know I've had moments I've had moments on and off okay moments on and off but I tell you what I'm really into what I've really been into lately and it's kind of meditation but it's very much mind mechanics Okay. Replacing old beliefs with new ones. I love that. And it's it's yeah, it's really made a really made an impact on my life because there were a lot of old beliefs that really had been around far too long. And I don't do well with still. And so I've always tried to meditate. I've had some successes and some where I veer away from it and blow it off, but I think it's great and I think you know, this stuff that I'm doing now is, is very close to meditation. And I'm, because I'm seeing such incredible results from it, I like to see results. Who doesn't? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, so I'm liking it, you know. But we've got to I think everybody has to find a way, especially in the world we live in today, to gear down. Yeah. You know, we thought, I think, you know, I read an article the other day. They said that he thought technology was going to make our lives easier. Yeah. Who, who said that? I want to talk to them because if I'm not in a session, I am replying to emails, text, phone calls. It never stops. It never stops. You Well, there's the thing. You have to teach yourself to turn it off and turn it on. I know. I, I had... I, we could sell that in a bottle too. Yeah. I've, I No, they're... Uh, 
who was it? I, I'm a, I'm a bit of a podcast junkie, you know, and it works because I'm a podcaster, but, um, there was this guy and he was a, um, uh, oh, what's his name? Josh Wheatskins. Um, I'll, I'll try to shortcut this story. Um, cause I've told it before. Um, but he went into, uh, he was first a, a, a world-class, uh, chess champion, at a really young age. And then later on, he got bored with that. So he decided to get into martial arts. Oh, and wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, and basically he learned that a, a most, you know, mastery transfers was one of the gists, but the other, mm. one of the other big gists was learning how to quickly turn it on and turn it off your, yes. your thing. You know what I'm talking yes, about? Yes, yeah. I agree. Because yes. if you if you leave it on, you can't you burn out in that heightened state. Yes, yes, it's true. Right, it's right. absolutely true. So, it's like being in crisis mode all the time. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. In a way, a, a bit, yeah. When when you want to get amped up, um, especially in martial arts, that is like right on the brink of. Well, it's not on the brink. It is fight or flight because you're fighting. <laughs> Right, 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 right. Right, but the he told the story of this other uh, master martial artist who was so good, he had mastered the turn it off. He would literally sleep right up until it wow. ding, and then he'd wake up and stagger into the into the ring and tear apart his enemies. <laughs> Oh, man, and then, I would and then, love to be able to do that. And then turn it off again and then go, okay, let's go get a beer. <laughs> Golly, that's impressive. That's right? really impressive. Right? Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. Well, this has really been good. this has been great, Tracy. I appreciate I your know. time. Oh, you're so much fun. Let's do this again. Definitely. I'm going to put you on the uh, six months to a year down the road. We'll talk again. We'll uh, we'll catch up. Yeah. 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 Let's do. And if I ever do a podcast, I'm going to invite you on. That's awesome. You should do it. If you need help, let me know. I will. I will because the technical piece just blows my mind. It's, but it's not I should do bad. it. You should do it. You can do it. Yeah. Just I can do it. Get the lioness on it and she'll be all That's over right. it. That's <laughs> right. No, it'd be like a boss. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tracy. You enjoy your weekend. Thank you. You too. Thanks a lot. All we'll, right. we'll see you soon. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer.